In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Lord, in your presence, this week of the holiday of Thanksgiving, we can take to our prayer precisely this key attitude of gratitude, this way of praying and way of being, which is to be grateful, to be thankful. And this is an attitude, Lord, that we see that you truly appreciate. We read in the Gospel of Luke, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance, and lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Lord, first we, we ask you to help us to learn the lesson taught to us by these lepers. The lepers were in a very dire situation in their life. Having contracted leprosy was, in a certain sense, a, a death sentence. It was an incurable disease, a very painful one, one that disfigured the body and, and the face, the features of the person. Eventually it ended in death. But it was also a very uh, difficult disease to deal with psychologically, morally, and socially because because it was contagious. Lepers were cast out of, of their homes, cast out of their communities, and out of their cities. This is why Jesus meets these lepers on the outskirts of a town. They're not allowed within the town. And the lepers, as we know also from the Bible, they had to approach people as we hear as we see here at a distance they were socially distancing as as we do today and they had to let them know of their of their um of their presence by crying out unclean unclean to let people know that there were that there were lepers around and so we see here that these lepers keep their distance from our lord they stood at a distance and lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so the lesson we can learn here is that we too, Lord, are needy. We too, Lord, need your help. Perhaps we're not physically sick. Perhaps we're not social outcasts. But in a way, we all have, we all have infirmities. We all have maladies especially the malady of sin. The saints in the church and the doctors of the church, they often talk about sin as, as a spiritual leprosy, as a disease that disfigures our soul, that causes these, these sores in our soul. And that's, that's terminal, that the wages of sin are death. Sin 
leads to death. And so sin, like leprosy in a certain sense, is, is an incurable terminal disease. And so we, so we, like these lepers, have to call out to our Lord for help. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus always responds to calls for help, which come from humility, which come from a recognition that we need his help, a recognition of our neediness. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. We see here, Lord, that you appreciate gratitude and you miss the gratitude of those nine who didn't come back to you. We're not ten cleansed, our Lord says, when that one man comes back to give thanks. Where are the nine? And we can imagine we put ourselves into the shoes of these of these lepers. We can imagine how happy they must have been to be freed from this disease. And perhaps the other nine, their first reaction was to go see their family, to go re-enter that society that they had been cast out from to see their family, to see their friends, to share the news with them, to restart as soon as possible their ordinary life, to enjoy their, their new status, their new health. And yet Jesus still finds, finds a certain blame there. Where are the other nine? Why didn't they come back to give thanks to me, to give thanks to God for this miracle? So Jesus, clearly here, you appreciate gratitude when it's expressed and you miss it when it's lacking. Lord, you're giving me many good things all of the time. Lord, am I grateful? Lord, let me use this time of prayer right now to tell you that I'm sorry for all of my ingratitude. I'm sorry, Lord, for the many gifts in my life that I've never thanked you for, or that I don't, I don't thank you for habitually enough. And I use this time, Lord, to give you thanks. Thank you for all the great things you've, you've given to me, that you've put in my life. All of my peop, all of the people who, who have helped me, my friends, my family. All of the things, Lord, that you've helped me to learn and to do in this life all of the good times and the good health I've enjoyed, all the blessings, Lord, that, that, you have, that you have shared with me during my life. Thank you, Lord. The church teaches us that there are four basic types of prayer, adoration, petition, contrition, and thanksgiving. And I think petition probably is the most popular one. It's probably the one that's done the most. We most easily turn to God with our necessities, with our needs. We 
most easily ask God for things with that prayer of petition. Adoration is, is, is the most important to recognize and honor and love God as God. Contrition is important too for, for making up for our sins, to correct things, to tell God we're sorry when we realize some sinfulness. And Thanksgiving is, is, um, is probably neglected, right? Out of these, out of these four. Probably all three are neglected. Adoration, contrition, and thanksgiving. Petition does not seem to be neglected. But our thanksgiving, in a certain sense, should keep pace with our petition. If we feel enough confidence in you, Lord, to keep asking you for things, big things, small things, all the time, those of us who pray, all the time we're asking our Lord for things. Well, if we have that kind of confidence in his goodness, shouldn't it be matched by, by a desire and a readiness to give him thanks for all the things that he's already given to us? To give him thanks whenever we realize that, that he's answered our prayers, that we've received some favor. Where are the other nine? Has only this foreigner come back to praise God? Lord, help me to grow in thanksgiving. And, and it's good for us. We can reflect, well, what is thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is our soul's recognition of, of a good. It's our soul's recognition of good things in our life. And particularly, it's the recognition of good things as something unmerited, as a gift, something that's been freely given to us. Almost every Mass that we celebrate in the Church has a very strong and powerful exhortation to thanksgiving. In the preface before the Eucharistic prayer, we, we say, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And the people respond, it is right and just. And then the preface starts with the priest saying, it is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy. It is truly right and just. Our duty, which means that we're remiss if we don't realize that we have much to be grateful for, if we're not habitually giving thanks to God. There's something off about that. Right? It's something, something we should be doing. Our duty in our salvation, that's a powerful thought, that thanksgiving is salvific. Somehow, it's, somehow it saves us, it frees us. How does thanksgiving free us? It's a good question. Well, it frees us from focusing on the negative. It frees us from, from focusing on what's wrong with us and with others, what's wrong with the world. And therefore, it frees us from despair. It frees us from self-centeredness. Why? Because, because Thanksgiving precisely is a focus on what's good, on the good things we've received and the good things that we have and the good things that we can look forward to. The good in the past the present goods, and the future goods. We can be grateful for all of them. And when we do that, it, precisely our mind goes off of what's, what's missing, goes off of what's bad, goes off of what could be better, and goes to what we already have. And that frees us from despair. It frees us from sadness. It frees us from self-centeredness. 
It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. This is something that that St. Paul also says in in a very strong way to to the Thessalonians, St. Paul says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Right? He can't put it any, any more strongly. And he makes the connection between joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God wants me to rejoice always. God wants me to pray constantly. God wants me to give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for me in Christ Jesus. And what's a big obstacle to thanksgiving? I think one of the, one of the biggest obstacles to thanksgiving is pride. When we're proud, we think, I deserve better than what I have. We don't see the good things in our life as gifts, as coming from the hands of God, unmerited. We think, I'm the source of my goodness, and therefore, I deserve these things. They're owed to me. And if we're not careful, then we we get to a point where we're very hard to we're very hard to please we're very hard to be satisfied and we end up not being satisfied with anything unless it's just the way we like it just the way that we think we need it or deserve it and if if it falls under those high standards of our pride we think well why should i be happy about this or why should i be happy about that and so pride distorts our vision we make ourselves and our ego so big that we can't see the gifts. We can't see our existence itself, our life itself as a gift. As St. Paul puts it, what do you have that you have not received? My very existence is a gift. God didn't have to create me. All of our talents, all of our capabilities in this life, all of our friends, all of our interests... They're all gifts from God. And so humility, realizing that that God is the source of all goodness and the goodness that I have is, is on loan from him, is something that keeps us happy and grateful. I have a, um, a friend who is a, is a professor of public health at a prestigious university and the thing that he studies um, often <laughs> are factors that make up for um, you, human flourishing or uh, human well-being. And so they do these massive uh, questionnaires to people on, um, on their levels of well-being and their levels of happiness, of flourishing, their perceived levels of that. And then they try to figure out what are the, you know, what are the factors involved or what kinds of things make people more happy, more content in life. And one of the things he, he points to that, that he's found is that gratitude, right? practicing thanksgiving, makes a significant impact on people's uh, perceived well-being, on their perceived levels of happiness. 
This is from a paper of his. Simple, easy-to-use interventions have been developed to increase gratitude in life. There are numerous variations on these simple activities, but the original intervention consisted of taking time once per week to reflect upon five things in life that that one was grateful for and writing these down and then repeating this for 10 consecutive weeks. And so this gratitude intervention, this way of increasing gratitude in life, was simply to take time once a week to write down five things that we're grateful for, and then doing that for 10 weeks in a row. In a randomized trial, those who were assigned to participate in this gratitude intervention, as compared to writing about life events or hassles or having no instructions, were found to have higher levels of gratitude as well as better feelings about life as a whole. Fewer physical symptom complaints and more and better sleep. And so writing once a week about things that we're grateful for compared to just writing about life in general or writing nothing at all led to higher levels of gratitude, better feelings about life as a whole, fewer physical symptoms and better sleep. Another variation of this gratitude exercise had participants write down three things that went well each day. They were also to write about their causes and to do this every night for one week. Those who were assigned to do this versus simply writing about memories had higher levels of happiness and lower levels of depressive symptoms even six months later. That's tremendous, right? One week of of a gratitude activity just at night saying three things that we're grateful for, uh, what caused those things, can lead to higher levels of happiness and lower signs of depression even six months later. There are, of course, numerous other variations on this exercise of expressing gratitude. A recent analysis synthesizing the evidence from the various interventions that have been developed suggested that, although there is some variation across interventions, these types of gratitude exercises do intend to increase measures of gratitude and also feelings of psychological well-being more generally. And so if we want to feel more grateful, we have to um, practice gratitude. Right? If we want to feel more grateful and be more grateful in general, we have to actually sit down and think about things that we're grateful for, recognize them, and recognize their causes, where, where they come from. And so, Lord, help me to start this in my prayer. What's one thing in my life that I've never thanked you for, Lord? What's one thing in my life, Lord, that I'm taking for granted? What's something in my life, Lord, that I'm discontent with, that that perhaps if I was more humble, I would see the good in it? A simple approach such as writing about or sharing out loud with a spouse or a friend Three things that one is grateful for once a week or three times a week might help develop a habit of gratitude. And with that comes feelings of psychological well-being more generally, right? Happiness, joy, joy in the language of the gospel. Happiness, joy are tied very closely to to gratitude. We saw that, we just saw that in St. Paul. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances. Joy, prayer, thanksgiving, they they go together. I'll never forget 
an experience I had in meeting Pope Benedict XVI. A while ago, I lived in Rome. I was studying theology there. And eventually, I was ordained as a priest in Rome. And during my years in Rome, a few times I got to work as a translator for uh, the special synod of bishops. So every once in a while in Rome, there's like a three-week meeting of bishops and they address some topic. And so they come from different countries and so they need um, simultaneous translation of of different um, interventions and speeches so that they can understand each other. And I was part of a team of of translators. And so in that capacity I got to I got to greet along with many other people of course I got to I got to greet um, Benedict the 16th who was then the pope and I and I remember the first time I I did this I got up to him and the thing that I had prepared to to say was that every day I offer an hour of of study for you I'm studying theology here in Rome, and every day I, I, I offer an hour of study for you and your intentions. And that was true. I was doing that um, for the Holy Father, and I thought that would be a nice thing to tell him. You know, what, else, what are you going to tell the Holy Father? Um, so I got up there, and, I, and I, I knelt, and I kissed his ring, and he was smiling, and, and just a very humble man. And so I told him, I said, Holy Father, my name is John. I'm studying theology here in Rome. And I wanted to let you know that every day I offer an hour of study for your intentions. And he broke out to this big smile and, and in a kind of surprising, even shocking way, he said, thank you. It's just huge, this huge act of, of gratitude, which was, which is very striking. And so I said, oh, don't worry about it, man. No problem. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I said, <laughs> I said, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I was, I was a little bit taken aback by, um, by how happy he was with, um, with what I had told him. You know that I was offering that hour of work for him every day. It was almost like, you know, you, you, you would have thought that I, that I told him that I was, I don't know, giving a five hundred million dollar gift to, uh, to the Vatican, right, to some one of his favorite charities or whatever. For, for how he responded, you know, thank you. And I think that's a sign of, of Pope Benedict's humility that he just saw this and he must see many other things in his life like that as, as a real gift, right? He saw the value in, in what I was telling him. He saw the value in that hour of work, you know, however I did it. I was probably falling asleep half the time. Um, and he was grateful for it. That he didn't take that for granted. And so this is so important for us. Lord, am I humble? Do I, do I appreciate the small things, the little things in my life? And so pride is big. Pride will keep us from being grateful. It's a big obstacle. Intemperance is also an obstacle, particularly impurity is an obstacle. Right? If we're intemperate, if we fall into impurity, the danger is that we become slaves to pleasure. And that creates a huge blind spot spiritually. Intemperance and impurity cause us to lose our innocence. And if we lose our innocence, we can't enjoy simple things anymore. Our hearts become corrupted. Our vision becomes corrupted. And so Jesus says this. He says, Blessed are the pure of heart, 
for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And so with purity of heart, with chastity, with temperance, we keep our vision. We can still see what's good, even when it's small. We regain our innocence. We see good things. We can appreciate good things, as children do. They don't have to be big and complicated and lavish to win our praise or to make us happy, to make us joyful. It's like our Lord says to the Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift of God, with the implication that if we knew the gift of God, how happy we'd be, how grateful we'd be, how different our life would be. Lord, give me the vision that comes with humility, that comes with temperance, that comes with holy purity. G.K. Chesterton once said, You say grace before meals. All right. But I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. Right? So that grace before meals is an act of blessing, but it's also an act of of thanksgiving. The word grace, of course, comes from the word grazia in Latin. And grazia means something that is is free. And gratius agere, right? Gratius agere is to give graces. But that's, that's how the Greeks, how the Latin uh, language says to give thanks, right? Gratius agere to give graces, to give something freely back for something that's been freely received. And so Chesterton's point is that we shouldn't just give thanks or say grace before meals. We should give thanks or say grace, at least interiorly, before anything that's good, before reading, sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, writing. When we were children, Chesterton also wittily comments, when we were children, we were grateful to those who filled our stockings at Christmas time. Why are we not grateful to God for filling our stockings with legs? Right? Am I grateful that I have the limbs and the health and the normalcy that I enjoy? There's a girl whose family I know who died um, about six years ago, and uh, she was struck with with uh, a very serious brain tumor, cancer. And she had been a she had been a, a wonderful athlete, a very good soccer player in particular, and loved to run. And her father tells the story that um, her name is Elizabeth Schickel. She's from the uh, Boston area. And her father tells the story that one day they were um, they were driving in a car, and this is after she had had surgery for her tumor and had had lost a lot of strength and could no longer exercise or play sports as she could before. And they were driving in a car, and they, and they saw um, someone jogging uh, on the side of the road. And he could see that her seeing this this person doing exercise caused her a certain pain, right? That she missed. She missed exercising. But then she overcame herself and 
and turned it into an occasion to pray. And she say, she said, God, I thank you that others can run. I thank you that others can run. How far does my thanksgiving extend? Does it end at my own gifts? Does it end at my own enjoyment? Or does, or, or does it expand? Or is my heart expansive in gratitude? The talents that I lack, Lord, I thank you that other people have them. The things, Lord, that I, that I wish I was better at, the, the good qualities I see in others and that I don't have, well, Lord, I thank you that those other people have them. Thank you for your gifts, Lord, not just to me, but, but to everyone. We can go to Our Lady. We imagine how grateful she was for all the blessings that God gave her. And that was powered by, by her humility. She realized it was all a gift, that she was nothing compared to God. The Lord has looked upon the lowliness of his handmaid, she says. And it was powered by her purity. Total pulchre as Virgo Maria. You are most pure, O Virgin Mother. That purity let her keep her innocence and see good things for what they were. It kept her heart and her vision from being corrupted. And it was powered by her prayer that she was constantly talking to God, referring to things to Him, seeing Him as the source of everything. So we go to her. Virgin, most pure. Virgin, most humble. We can add, virgin, most grateful. Pray for us.